It's one thing to be able to hit a bullseye or, or near the bullseye in a target that isn't moving. It's entirely different when that target is constantly moving. Trying to hit a moving target is kind of like chasing after the things that we want in this life. It, it's almost impossible because that target is always moving. Today, it's, it's this that I want. Tomorrow, it's that. Next week, next month, it's something entirely different. And yet we continue to chase after it until we realize that we have accumulated closets full and storage units and garages and attics of all kinds of stuff that, that we thought we wanted. And it's not just stuff. It's, it's the other things in life that we chase after that we want, hoping that they will bring us satisfaction. And what makes this even more difficult as we consider the pursuit of what we want is that we are not as good as we think we are at distinguishing wants from needs. That line is, is very blurred today for us, isn't it? For example, do you really need new clothes because you literally have nothing left in your drawers or your closet, or do you want new clothes because you're kind of tired of that outfit, or you don't get excited about wearing that. Do we want a new phone or need one? Do you have a phone that literally doesn't work anymore? It can't make calls or complete text messages so that you actually need one, or do you just want the one with the shiny new gadgets and gizmos and latest technology? Do you need a new car or want a new car? Can you literally not get from A to B because you have no functioning set of wheels? Or do you just miss that new car smell? and want to drive around something a little nicer. Do you really need to get something for yourself or someone else? Or do you just want to enjoy that satisfaction of, of going on Amazon and, and pushing the buy now or add to your cart buttons? We're not so good at distinguishing wants from needs. Now, before you go on thinking, oh, is this another sermon that is lambasting that, that cultural idol of consumerism and materialism and more stuff. It's not, although that's constant work that we need to do in our own hearts, tearing down those idols. But there is actually another danger that comes from our inability to distinguish wants from needs. And more specifically, it has to do with how we then view Jesus. Because if I'm not clear on distinguishing wants from needs, then we have to be open to the very real possibility that I may have a wrong view of where Jesus fits into my life. So today and next week, we look at that very real challenge of seeing, is Jesus somebody that is in my life, a part of my life to meet my wants or my needs? Last Sunday, the Gospel writer Mark introduced us to Jesus in the synagogue in Capernaum. And as he was there and he taught with authority, he amazed all of the people that were listening. They knew there was something different about his, his message, the content of it and the way that he spoke it. Obviously, undoubtedly, proclaiming the good news of the Gospel. But they were also impressed with the fact that, that Jesus had cast out demons. Where our gospel continues today in the same book of Mark, the same chapter, Mark tells us that right after that event in the synagogue, Jesus went home to Peter's house. And actually, his miraculous powers continued. He healed Peter's mother-in-law as soon as he got home as well. And it didn't stop there. 
As soon as the sun had set on the Sabbath, the crowds came to Jesus. Listen to how Mark continues to describe it. He says that that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Everybody in town was there to see Jesus. Remember, they were so impressed with his authoritative teaching. Undoubtedly, they must have been there. They must have come after sunset for more of the same for Jesus to meet their needs. Only, that's not really why they were there, was it? In fact, as they gathered around Jesus' door, as they, they, the whole town came together, it wasn't because anybody was there to ask Jesus, could you please explain a little bit more of this verse of that chapter? Could you elaborate a little bit more on that one point that you made? Because I'd never heard that before. No. They were there because they wanted Jesus to heal their sick and the demon possessed just as he had at the synagogue. Did you hear that? They were there because of what they, they wanted. Not necessarily what they needed, even though that very morning, that very day, Jesus had provided what they needed by elaborating for them from Scripture and pointing them to the good news of the gospel. But that evening, they came not to meet needs or have those needs met, but rather to have their wants met. But now, you might pause and say, well, wait a minute, that's not entirely fair. Isn't good health, those who are sick, those who are demon-possessed, isn't that really a need too? Well, to put it bluntly, no. Not if our physical health overshadows the need for our spiritual health. This point was always one that, that came up pretty clearly early in uh, the previous Bible information class that I taught, which is basically a new member or a, a basic uh, teachings of the Bible. And the very first lesson, I would ask participants to, to list or to identify a number of things that they think are the most important in life. And without fail, every class at some point mentioned health. And not that they're wrong, but there was even some debate oftentimes about whether our physical health was even more important than this religious stuff. Indeed, it seems our culture has bought into that notion that if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. But I wonder if we can really call our health even a need if it comes at the expense of our spiritual health. Consider this example. I want you to think of a, a Christian who is suffering with some chronic illness or sickness in the hospital. And in the one case, we'll, we'll consider two scenarios. In one case, this Christian is praying for healing and very vocal about it. Let's the other patients in the hospital, as well as the staff, the doctors, the nurses, everybody who's serving, lets them know that, that he's a Christian and that he is praying for God to restore him and to heal him. Well, lo and behold, God does just that. Eventually, he heals this individual. And, and this man makes it a point of saying, see, I, I prayed to God and he answered my prayer. Compare that kind of impact that that has on the other patients and the hospital staff with a different scenario. Same individual, but this time, instead of praying for healing, he's praying for God to provide strength, patience, endurance, perseverance, joy, 
and to be kind to those serving, to express love no matter how bad his suffering gets. Now, whether or not that individual is healed, consider the impact that how he bears up under that suffering and that sickness, that impact is going to have on the other patients and the staff. Because even if he doesn't get healed, it's going to profoundly impact how he handles that disease. Whereas in the other case, when, when healing comes about that the individual was praying for, the staff, the doctors may just as easily be inclined to say, well, yeah, you're in a hospital and we did our job. We took care of you. We healed you. So when we consider those examples, it puts into perspective where this idea of meeting our needs and our wants really comes into play. So how is it that we determine what is a, a want or a need? Because I don't want you to walk away. I don't want you to, to stop when this is done and, and think to yourself, well, that it's wrong to ask for our wants. It's not wrong. It's not sinful. God invites us to pray to him and to ask for our wants but always to make sure that our needs come first. So how do we determine when we're not so good at distinguishing our wants from our needs, how do we determine which is which and which one we should spend more time approaching God and, and asking for? Well, here's maybe one way to, to consider it. Ask yourself, are you more concerned with your happiness in your life or with God's happiness? in your life. And that will probably help you determine if you are focused on a want or a need. Because wants are going to be much more tied to our happiness. Needs are tied directly to what God says is best for our life and his happiness for our lives. Permit a few more examples of that. Consider the the spouse who comes into my office, who sets up an appointment to talk to me and, and then just kind of drops this bombshell, I'm not happy in my marriage. And I'm pretty sure that, that God wants us to be happy, and so I'm going to file for a divorce. That's my plan, and, and I'm just here more to, to kind of tell you and, and, and to, to, to kind of reassure me that, that that's all right, because God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? Well, not really. Not when our idea of happiness goes against God's will for our lives. Then we are putting our happiness, our wants, ahead of what God wants and his happiness and his needs for us. And that carries over into other areas of life. Well, I'm not happy in my job. I'm not happy in this. And, and our culture has essentially made happiness its number one idol. That anything that you want to do or pursue in the name of your happiness is fair game. And not only that, it needs to be satisfied because you will be miserable the rest of your life if you don't pursue what you want, if you don't chase after and try to satisfy the idol of happiness. But it never works. It never works because it's backwards. When we put our happiness before God's, things are always going to be messed up and we will never finally achieve true happiness. Another way to state it or to think of it is, is this phrase, and you can spend the rest of your life um, keying in on this phrase and trying to master this and it will make all the difference for you and your happiness. If we pursue our happiness first and Jesus second, we get neither. 
But if you pursue Jesus first and happiness second, you get both. So don't focus on meeting your wants first and then your needs after that, but rather needs first and wants after, knowing that God has taken care of and will continue to take care of every need that you have. Now, here's where it gets a little bit messed up. God is too good to us, isn't he? See, God has this pattern of also meeting our wants, doesn't he? And so that, that doesn't help us. Then we, we tend to reason that if God granted my wants, then it, then it must have been good. It must have been something that he thought I needed. But just because God is good and meets all of, uh, many, so many of those wants doesn't mean that he wants those to overshadow what we truly need. In fact, Jesus did that very thing when everybody crowded around him that evening. When they came to the door of his house, Jesus didn't chastise everybody and say, wait a minute, all you're interested in is healing? That's all you want from me? Just, just to satisfy your wants? You're not more interested in the needs? You don't want to hear me elaborate more on scripture and point you to the joy of the gospel? No, Mark tells us exactly what, what Jesus did. Jesus healed many who had various diseases and also drove out many demons. He didn't turn them away. He satisfied them. He met their wants. And that wasn't lost on the disciples the very next morning. As Jesus took the time to find some reflection, some refocus, refreshment, speaking to his father in prayer. And eventually the disciples tracked him down and, and it became apparent to him how adept he was, how, how good he was at meeting the needs of others. And so his disciples found him. And when they found him, Mark tells us, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus, as if to imply, you don't have time to pray. There are other wants that need to be met. People are looking for you to satisfy uh, their, their diseases, their illnesses, to take care of those things. And what did Jesus respond to them? Whether this was an answer that he received in prayer to his father, or it was just his time and Jesus in his omniscience was well aware of it, Jesus replied in verse 38, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. That is why Jesus came. Not just to heal, though he certainly does that and he compassionately meets the needs of, of so many people, the, the once we should say. But the bigger need is the one that he came to meet, to proclaim the gospel, to, to proclaim freedom, to proclaim release, to proclaim forgiveness of sins, and not only to just mention it, not to proclaim it, to preach it, but to bring it to bring the very satisfaction for sins that was necessary, to meet the greatest need that everybody in humanity has. Everybody whose sin separates us from God, who has cut us off from God, Jesus came to reconcile, to bridge that gap, to meet that one need that we could never, ever meet on our own. That is the good news that Jesus came to bring, the grace that everybody needs, God's undeserved love for sinners. So while Jesus throughout his life and his ministry did from time to time meet the once, the physical, temporary things that, that people had in their lives, 
His ultimate goal, the reason he came to this earth, was to satisfy the one need that nothing else, that no one else could, to bring us forgiveness, to extend God's loving and undeserved grace to us. Friends, when we see Jesus in that way, when we see him meeting the, that need first and foremost, then the blessings really flow because then our desires align more with his out of gratitude and thanks and we want to, to as his followers, as his forgiven children, pursue and align our will with his. And in that regard, then what happens when we see Jesus first and foremost as the one who meets our needs is that he also satisfies our wants as well because we want more of the things that he wants for us. We're more interested in his happiness in our lives than even our own. Next week, Transfiguration Sunday, we will look more at focusing particularly on Jesus, not just as the Savior who meets our, our wants as he did in Capernaum, but as the one who went up to that mountain and descended it to, to die on another mountain to meet our needs.